Let's praise you, Father. We ask you to send your spirit over this place to bless the music, to bless Mitch as he brings the word, to protect everyone who's here, Lord, and just your grace fall over this and, and, and give Mitch the words to that you want the people to hear, Lord. And we just thank you for this time in Jesus' name.
Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this Thank you for the privilege. sick today. There's so many people that are out sick for their recovery and angels just to surround them. Lord, protect them, give them peace. Father, we know that no matter what the problems are, you've got them in hands. Right. Man, 
presence of God, what else do you need? I mean, you lack for nothing, right? I mean, that's, Hallelujah. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Y'all look a lot different from up here. Y'all look great, by the way. Um, so, uh, we had a great time last night at the men's and women's meeting. Um, or we had a great time at the men's meeting. I hope the women had a good time also. <laughs> uh, um, I really enjoy those men's meetings. Uh, we always connect really well, and it's always a great, a great time to, to fellowship. And uh, uh, there's always a good, a 
good word, and it's always very uplifting to me, uh, mostly because I guess I'm younger, and um, I look up to, you know, most people, and uh, it's, uh, it's just, uh, we always have a good time, so I encourage y'all to come out, uh, if you haven't been, come out, it's, uh, it's a great time. Uh, I'm going to read Psalm 84, I'm get to it. How admirable are your tabernacles, O Lord. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cries out for the living God. Blessed are they who dwell in, the, in your house, for they will be praising you still. Yes. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you and in in whose, in whose heart are the ways of them. Who are passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain fills the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appears before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our God, our shield, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Yes. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Yeah. No good thing yes. will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. Right. Lord of hosts blesses the man who trusts in you. Yes. Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Yes. Lord, we trust in you this morning, Lord. We lift you up, God. We lift up your name, God. We give you praise and glory. Yes. Oh, we thank you for your goodness, Lord God. Yes. Thank you that you're always working in us, Lord. Yes. We ask that you receive our worship this morning, God. Bless Mitch as he brings the word, Lord Jesus. Open our hearts, God. Ready our hearts, God, that we would receive from you, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, God, that we would be led by the spirit, God. Yes. That we would have yes. the knowledge of Christ and him crucified in yes. our hearts. And, it's, and it's, and it's through that, it's by the cross, it's only in the cross, God, that we find our strength, Lord. Yes. It's only in the cross that we're yes. justified, that we can stand before you, Lord, God. We yes. give you praise and glory right now, God. Yes. Receive our worship this morning, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus.
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not through with that one. Just a minute. Think about that a minute. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, we've been redeemed by our relationship with God the Father. Hallelujah. We can enter into everything that He has for us. Pick this up, brother. Pick it back up where you talked about I don't have to be the old man I used to be. Think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. Sing it again. Think about Him while we're singing it. Let it get into your spirit.
Hallelujah. Oh, man, it's exciting to be in the house of God this morning. Think about what he's done for us. Oh, my goodness. It's incredible. It's incredible. If you knew the old man inside of me, if you'd have known the old Mitch, you may not like the new Mitch, I don't know for sure, but the, the new Mitch can't see where I was. You know, I'm finding his glasses. But, uh, I can see spiritually a lot better than I used to. Jesus, there you are in our midst. Yes. And we're few, but we're mighty in the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. There's way more than two or three of us in here, Lord. And we all gather in the name of Jesus. And Father, we know there, uh, there's nothing that's, we're not unlimited to what's available to us when we're in your presence. Yes. And Lord, we have several people in our body that are sick. And we want to lift them up to you, Lord, with the COVID and various things. Eddie and Sherry Reed. Brian and Carol and Rue, the Pulliam family, uh, Billy Bynum, and others, Lord. And others are just being uh, being uh, careful, being cautious, trying to use wisdom for their particular situation, and they're not here today. And I hope they're listening today. I hope they were in on that worship time. I hope that the Holy Spirit, that they could sense and feel the Holy Spirit right in their very home as we worship you this morning, God. Oh, hallelujah. And we lift these people up to you for healing this morning. Father, we believe you are the healer. You are the great physician. And Father, we lift them up. We know the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And we, we pray, that, pray that prayer of faith right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray that they would be healed, everyone, Lord. We pray protection for the ones around them and protection for the family members. Father, I pray that you would stamp out this virus. This evil virus that's covering the globe. Father, I pray that you would stamp it out. Father, I pray for protection for people around the world, Lord. Father, I pray that you would protect the people in Afghanistan. Yes. Heavenly Father, we need to lift them up this morning. The, the American citizens, the people that have helped us over there, the whole entire globe, Lord, the whole the chaos that's going on in this world today. Father, we know you are the only answer. And we lift up this chaos to you, Father, and we cry out, help us. We cry out this morning, help us, oh God, help us. Father, we pray for a spirit of revival to come over the whole entire planet, Lord. That the Holy Spirit would touch hearts and lives across the globe, Father God. That, that, they would call, that he would call them to Jesus. Call them to Jesus. Father, we thank you that we're not the old man that we used to be. We thank you that we can shake off those heavy chains. We thank you that, that Jesus Christ, that you loved us so much, you sent your only begotten son to die on the cross of Calvary, that we might be redeemed back to a race relationship with you. We thank you. We love you, Father. We thank you for that. Heavenly Father, I want to lift up uh, Chuck's mother to you. Father, she's been struggling in areas that I don't really know about, but I know it's a struggle. And Lord, we know that's nothing too big for you. And Father, we just lift up, lift up her, lift her up to you. I think her name Evelyn. Is that her name, brother? Anyway, we lift her up to you in the name of Jesus. Yes. And uh, and Father, we just pray that you would touch her, 
spirit, soul, uh, body, mind, wherever it is. Lord, you know right where the problems are. We don't have to know. We pray that you would touch her at the point of her needs this morning, Lord. And, and empower and Lord and strengthen the family members that are taking care of her, Father God. We give you praise and we give you glory, Lord. And as far as this virus goes, Lord, we all have to make our own decisions whether we take the vaccine or not. We all uh, uh, make our own decisions where we stay home or whether we go out. And Lord, we let us let us have the spirit that we could make up our own mind, make our own decisions, and respect the decisions of others. Yes. Father, I pray that the enemy would not be able to use these things yes. to drive a wedge between us, to divide yes. the church, yes. to divide the church, because a house divided will soon fall. And the enemy would love to use these various things that are so rampant in our society right now to divide the church. And so we come against Satan in the name of Jesus and we command you get your hands off the church. And, the, and Lord, as some choose to walk in wisdom, Lord, and stay away, we respect that. They're, everybody's situation is different, Father. We respect that. And Father, but we, we pray against a spirit of fear at the same time. We know that you did not give us a spirit of fear, but of but of love and of power and of a sound mind, Father God. And in certain situations, that sound mind, mind part might lead a person to the wisdom to stay home. We don't know their situation. Let us all respect the decisions of others, Father God. Hallelujah. We give you praise and glory. We give you praise and glory. Lord, I thank you for your presence this morning. I, let's just be still before the Lord this morning. Father, I just ask you as we're still here for a minute or two, Lord, that we would get out of the way and let you speak to each and every heart this morning personally, Lord. And you may have a personal word, I, I believe, because ask and you shall receive, right? And I'm asking right now that you would speak a personal word to every person in here today. And Lord, if you give a, give a word that's supposed to be shared with the congregation, Lord, I, I pray that you would give boldness to that person to come forth and share that word, share your word, to be a vessel for you, Father God. To be a vessel for you. I come against that spirit of intimidation right now in the name of Jesus. We have to be careful of, um, of worrying too much about what other people might think if we come forward. Yet we know that the Lord's given us a word. But we're afraid other people, well, don't worry about the other people. Just think about what the Lord wants you to do. So Lord, we just want to be still before you for a moment and hear your voice. In Jesus' name. I'm hearing the Lord say, just trust me. Just trust me for that problem that's on your mind. I'm hearing a verse right now. He's, tell, he's saying that he, he's reminded me of his, uh, of his word where, where he says, uh, don't worry about what to put on, what to eat, and on and on. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you know what? All these other things will just be added unto you. He says, trust me. Trust me in every area of your life. He's telling me, get out of my way. Let me be God. You just be Mitch. Let me do my part. You do your part. 
Well, Father, I thank you. I, I, I have full confidence that you've spoken to people this morning because that's what we ask for. And Lord, we know that uh, when we ask, we shall receive. And Lord, I, I believe in my heart that you've spoken to every person this morning. And we thank you for this time to get together. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for the wonderful worship this morning. We give you all the praise and the glory. But at the same time, Lord, uh, we, we thank the worship team for, for uh, being willing servants lord that's a that's an area to serve in it's not an easy area to serve in there's a lot of attack when you're in that area and we thank them for that we thank you for giving them the courage and the strength to do that father and the anointing not just the talent like they have but the anointing and father we give you praise and glory i pray that the for the that the holy spirit would take over this meeting would continue to lead and guide this meeting as you have from very first note this morning in Jesus name I'm glad you all could make it this morning we appreciate the support and appreciate being able to worship the Lord together come together in kindred hearts and and share God's word this morning and uh, father I just pray that uh, I would get out of the way Lord and just let you take over Heavenly Father, it's not about personalities, it's about you, it's about your word, it's about the truth being spoken in love. And Father, I, I just pray that uh, I can do nothing without you, but through through Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With God, all things are possible, even this. And so Lord, I give you the praise and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I wanted to, I, I did this, I told this to the, gave this message to the men last night. And uh, so we had pizza last night and because of some exposure to COVID and whatnot, some of the people around. So we did pizza again instead of a meal, or that's a meal, but I mean, we had a pizza meal. And so we decided that we weren't going to, um, to reheat the pizza and have leftover pizzas this morning for breakfast. Maybe some of you did, it took some home, I don't know. But Pastor Terry called me a few days ago and said uh, that he was going to be um, uh, that he wasn't going to be coming because of, he was exposed to COVID. He tested negative. He and Tracy both, but they were exposed, so they're just uh, trying to be sensitive to everybody's, you know, not spread it. And uh, <clears throat> and so anyway, I said, well, you know, for a pastor, you can preach at the drop of a hat, but it takes a cowboy a little getting together. You know, we got to kind of get ready. And uh, so, but I was going to put speak to the men last night anyway, and I said I'll just uh, I'll just reheat that message and serve it again on Sunday morning. He said that'd be fine. So that's what we're doing. So I want to talk to you this morning about living for Christ, living the Christian life. The Lord has really been been on me and trying to teach me and lead me and guide me in doing this. You know, Sandy and I weren't saved till we're in our forties, and there may be a lot of you that are a lot farther along than we are. I don't know. Uh, but I know I can want to share what the Lord's been showing me and teaching me. And, um, you know, outwardly our walks look a lot different. But there are a lot of underlying similarities. You know, we all go to the mountaintop sometimes, you know, and we're seeing victory in our lives. And, and uh, we're seeing ourselves changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're excited about the things of God. And then we've all also uh, been in the valley right where we're discouraged and frustrated sometimes and usually with ourselves if we're serious about the lord if we're serious about uh, living for christ which we should be 
then a lot of times we're discouraged with ourselves for failing the Lord. And, and for me, and I'm sure everybody here has experienced it, sometimes it's the same area, time after time after time. And uh, that should bother us as believers. That should bother us. And the Holy Spirit will convict us of that. But he gives us, here's the good news, that if we seek, we will find. He promises. He says, if we knock, God's word says the door will be open. He says that if we ask, he promises we shall receive. So when we're seeking answers, we know for sure from God's word, if we continue to seek, by the way, that's our part. Some things we do are our part in this relationship. Some things are God's part. The seeking is definitely our part. We have to, he says, if you draw nigh to me, then I will draw nigh to you. So that's the good news. We know for sure. And knowing that, even having God's promise in our heart, the enemy, that serpent of old, the most cunning of all of God's creation, he'll come in there and he'll try and deceive us. And he even tries to deceive believers, and he has with me on my walk on occasion been able to do that. And uh, thank God, his mercy and grace, he's been able to get me back on the right track. Uh, but he wants to deceive uh, Believers to get us off of that narrow way that leads to life, right? He wants us to get on that that wide way that leads to destruction. And uh, he does that a lot of times by false teachers, false doctrine, uh, maybe well-meaning people. I don't know. You know, some of them are probably and just deceived themselves. And uh, others, uh, maybe not so much. It's not deception. It's just they're, they're preaching uh, uh, false doctrine. But it doesn't matter. Either way, it has the same effect because it's deceiving people, even believers, and leading us off that course, leading us off the narrow way that leads to life. And that's a dangerous path to be led down. So uh, we're going we're gonna to go to uh, Galatians. We're going to go to Galatians 5. But uh, in a little bit and talk about that very thing. But the false doctrine that he brings to believers always rides in on the back of truth. Because believers have enough truth, that's the only way it camouflages the, the deception. And he can get sometimes in the heart of a believer with a partial truth. And uh, that's what he wants to do. Not just a believer, but sometimes whole churches or whole denominations. We've all seen that. We all long for a new revelation, right? But he... But be careful because as we listen to teachings, because make sure that it passes the smell test. You know, it always has to line up with the whole counsel of God on that subject, not just taking one or two verses out and creating a doctrine out of just one or two verses. We have to be well-versed in the entire subject from God's Word. Amen. Well, that sounds like a lot of work, I know, but hang on a little bit because we're going to go to the, the part that about his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's what Jesus said. So false doctrine, it's always birthed and promoted by the enemy. It always rides in on the back of truth, at least as far as it discerns, as concerns believers. As Christians, we need to walk circumspectly. In other words, we need to beware of our, our spiritual surroundings. Eddie Reed, I took one of his self-defense classes, just a few of them. Didn't take me long to master it, so only one a few times. No, not really. But uh, anyway, um, 
So, but in Eddie, on the very first day, Eddie taught the, the, the main focus, the very first point he made, he says, beware of your surroundings. When you go to the store, when you go to the mall, when you go to the church, no matter where you go, even the church, beware of your surroundings. Does anything look or feel out of place? Is that person over there acting strange? Do I need to kind of be aware and look and, and, and look about that, watch that person? But how do we equip ourselves to be aware of our spiritual surroundings in this walk with the Lord? Well, it starts with just good, sound, solid Bible knowledge, doesn't it? Good, sound doctrine. <clears throat> Basic foundational doctrine. Christian principles. Well, how do we do that? Well, of course, it begins with, this is our part, a personal responsibility. We take personal responsibility to read, and not just read, but study God's Word for ourselves. Not just being spoon-fed on Sunday and Wednesdays, you know, and or watching Christian TV all the time. There, there's some, uh, you know, there, there are some good preachers on TV, I'll say that, but there's a whole lot of false doctrines being spread on Christian TV. There just is. And if you, if you understand the truth, you're going to recognize the lie. And you see it a lot in those venues. Uh, and then people say, well, it's so hard to understand on my own. Yep, it is. It is. That's right. But that is part of the seeking. That's where the seeking comes in and, and relying on God, the Holy Spirit, to lead us into all truth. That's what he said he'd do. He'll lead us into all truth. Well, he may do that in a, in a variety of ways, right? Uh, so, so we need to be praying the whole time that we're seeking and knocking and asking we need, a, we need a good Bible studies. We have a good Bible study in this church. Mike has a good Bible study on Sunday mornings. Uh, we need to seek discipleship. Seek somebody, you know, that we know, that we feel has a good understanding of foundational uh, Bible doctrine. I love reading good commentary. But in any of those things, we need to be careful. We always need to bounce that thing off of uh, somebody that we trust. And to, you know, not just somebody that says, yeah, that's right, or yeah, that sounds right, or no, that's really not, doesn't really, not really right, but that can give you a reason, a scriptural reason. We always test doctrinal teaching by the word, not by results some, someone or some ministry may be appearing to have or claiming to have, right? You know, think about this. Pharaoh's sorcerers performed miracles, but they weren't of the Lord. It has to be by the word. We have to test doctrine by the word. Amen. One good test for doctrinal teaching is that it is to ask yourself, is this teaching me how I can change myself? Self-help, right? Or does it rely on grace through faith when it comes especially to the, to the being changed into the image of Christ? This is not, I've, fin I've figured out, I'm not real smart, but I finally figured out this is not a self-help book. This is a book that tells me I cannot help myself. I have to have God to change my heart. I can't help myself. It's not a book of philosophy. Vain philosophy it talks about, by the way. Um, so we need to be careful. So, so there are truth. There's truth. The truth is that there are things in this God-man relationship, right? Our relationship with God himself that uh, 
part of them are our responsibility and part of them are God's responsibility, we need to be very careful as we're listening to the teaching. We're not trying to do God's part because that's what happens in false teaching as we find ourselves doing what God says. He already did, by the way, on the cross of Calvary. Actually, most false doctrine, I believe, comes from having not having a thorough understanding of the cross of Calvary. And what happened there? What's available to us because of that as Christians? So without an understanding of the cross, we can't really understand fully what's my part and what's God's part. So if we're trying to do something that Jesus already accomplished, that's like saying, without maybe even thinking about it, but with our actions and not saying it with our words, that what he did on the cross was not enough. Well, Jesus did that, but I'm going to have to do this. So we're going to go to Galatians 5, but first let's, let's kind of set it up a little bit by talking about why Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians and what the book is really about. Paul had planted the church in Galatians. Well, let me say this. I've had people tell me that doctrine, well, doctrine's not that important, just be led by the Spirit. Be careful with that. If you don't think doctrine is important, read the 14 epistles of Paul, the letters he wrote to the churches. A, a, a very generous portion of every one of those letters was uh, taken up by, by um, instilling correct doctrine and admonishing false doctrine. He was very adamant about that. So we're going to go to Galatians 5, but let's take a look at it, set it up a little bit, and see what, uh, what it's really all about. So Paul had planted the church in Galatia. He got wind that false teachers had infiltrated the church, and they were confusing the people. The, the false teachers were Judaizers. The Judaizers were Jews that claimed Christ, but insisted they still had to follow the law to be truly saved. They're talking about the law of Moses. Did they completely, now let me say something right here. I'm going to say it several times this morning, and Eddie knows why. Now, we're not, <laughs> this is a little private, this is a little, we're having fun with it. But, it, but he made a very good point to me last night. He said, you need to be sure and stress this point. When, when I say that, um, what did I just say? Does anybody, anybody remember? Okay, so insisted they still had to follow the law to be truly saved. Understand this. The ceremonial part of the laws, the animal sacrifices, the uh, 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 keeping the feast days, that's, that has nothing to do with us anymore. But the, but the moral law, the God's moral standards have not changed. He still believes in the Ten Commandments. We still need to learn how to live up to the Ten Commandments, right? Now there's grace, we understand that. And, and it, now we're going to get into that further, but I want to make that very plain that I'm not saying that when uh, that that we don't have to think about the part of the law of Moses. It's the it's the ceremonial part that we're completely done away with. Did they completely and totally deny the sacrificial offering of Christ on Calvary? No. In fact, they believed, or at least they claimed to believe. Just because somebody says something, watch what they do. We know that, right? So with their actions and with their teaching, what they did, uh, they said that they believed that Jesus was the Messiah and the Savior of the world and that he died on Calvary. But when we look at their actions and their teaching, they belittled the substitutionary work of Christ on Calvary by adding circumcision 
or other mosaic principles, right? Maybe following the feast days or whatever. So they belittled the substitutionary work of Christ, claiming they had to be done, that those things had to be done in the Galatians' lives, or, or they would tell us in our lives for a person to be saved, to be truly saved. So by adding these things to the finished work of, of the cross, they in effect said, whether they realized it or not, they in effect said that uh, what Christ did on the cross was not enough. They're trying to mix grace with law. That doesn't work. We have to choose. I wonder sometimes, do we do that? I've done that sometimes. I've fallen into that. It's an easy trap to fall into. Do we claim Christ, but then insist on adding to the cross? We can look at, there are actually churches that do that. We can look at various churches. We look at, even, well, some of them are obvious. You know, they're maybe not even more called in this category, but they claim, they would claim to be Christianity, Jehovah's Witnesses, and their doctrine is just way different than, than Bible doctrine. Mormons are the same way. They're way different than Christianity, Bible doctrine. But there are some churches that just have a little tweak. They'll add water baptism as a, and they insist you must be water baptized to be saved. Well, if that's true, then Jesus wasn't telling the truth about the thief on the cross, was he? He said, today, I, I, uh, verily, I say unto you, today, you shall be in paradise with me. They didn't pull the thief on the cross down and dunk him in the water and then put him back up there. Water baptism is not necessary to be saved. We should follow Christ in water baptism, yes. But is it necessary to be saved? No. Some churches insist that you have to worship on a certain day to be saved. Well, it's okay to worship on that day, but where you get into trouble is when you, when you say, if you don't worship on that day, you're not saved. So some Pentecostal churches really, to tell you the truth, insist that you must speak in tongues in order to be saved. So we need to walk circumspectly. We must know and understand basic Christian principles and doctrine. So in Paul's letter to the Galatians, he reminded them and us that it's by grace alone, entirely apart from human works, self-effort, that we are set free from the curse of the law. That's what he said, not me. And brought into a right relationship with God. We're redeemed, we're forgiven, so that we can be brought into a right relationship with God. So the other part that he brought up, listen to this carefully, is that liber the liberty that we are called to is not liberty that leads to license to sin. It's not. That's not the point. And so many times you hear that preached. Be careful of that. Be careful of that. Shall we continue? Here's what Paul said. Shall we continue in sin? that grace might abound. God forbid, he said. So we're not saved in our sin. We're saved from our sin or out of our sin. The sin nature, he says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. He's talking about the sin nature. Shall no longer have dominion over you. So we're called to a liberty. I found this someplace and I wrote it down. I did a lot of studying on this because I want to be very careful. So that we are called to a liberty that leads to a mature responsibility and holiness before God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I added, not through self-effort. Uh, Pastor Terry preached last week on uh, uh, grace and self-effort, right? Works is self-effort. Grace is 
is the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So it isn't so much the what we do that we're freed from. Okay, in other words, here we go again, brother. Here we go again. In other words, the moral and ethical part of the Mosaic law still applies. I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. God's, why? Well, because God's standard of righteousness haven't, hasn't changed. He said, I am God and I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. His, his standard, we're the ones that need to change, not God. His standards of righteousness have never changed. So it isn't so much the what to do that we're freed from. But we are freed from the ceremonial part of the Mosaic Law, right? We don't have to have animal sacrifices or keep the feast days. And by the way, my wife has a, a dear friend that got into the, uh, I think it's called the Mosaic Movement or something like that. And they're um, Masonic Jews or something. But they claim that you have to keep the feast days. I'm telling you, they're, they're in error. They're in trouble. Because they're trying to mix grace with faith. So, um, so Jesus did, he freed us from the penalty of sin. He paid that penalty for us, don't misunderstand. By the blood of the lamb, right, we're forgiven. He paid that penalty for us. The other thing that he did that has to play into all this deal is that he freed us from the power of the sin nature to reign in our lives. I'm not talking about walking and living a, a sin in sinless perfection. I, I don't think that I don't think we can do that honestly, but I'm telling you we can get a lot. I can get a lot closer than I am. I won't speak for you, but I can get a lot closer than I am. But what this is talking about is that the sin nature shall have no dominion over you. That's what Scripture says, not me. Sin nature shall have uh, now the sin nature is still alive in us. We know that from uh, Romans seven and fifteen. I think it is, and, and Paul said, basically, the things I want to do, I, I don't, and the things I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. But then he went on to say, and he said, it's not I that does them, but the sin that lives in me. It's the sin nature. When you see the word the in front of the word sin, that means it's talking about the sin nature. So anyway, the sin nature should not, we are no longer slaves to the sin nature. Somebody ought to shout Hallelujah. Hey, that's good news. Somebody ought to give God some glory. I'm telling you, that's good news. That's good news. Hallelujah. So the how to do, the what to do has changed. The what to do hasn't changed, but the how to do, the what to do has changed. Which is directly tied to the why do we do it. It'll make sense here in a minute, I promise you. So the Judaizers were concerned that if the, here's the, here was their concern that if the law of Moses was removed, there wouldn't be any restraint against the sinful heart of man. Right? They didn't understand the power of the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand a man that is yielded to the power of the, and the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. They were used to an outward restraint. God's not inter, interested in an outward restraint. Where we follow, we do this and that begrudgingly because we're, we have to. No, he wants us to do it because we love him. He wants to do it from our heart. So, anyway, they didn't understand that. So you can understand where they were coming from. They were truly fearful that people were going to go astray. You can see 
all around the world where there is no restraint. There is no power of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding the hearts of men. You can see it all over the globe, right in our own country. And when you watch the news, you see that happening all over. And then they want to defund the police, the only outward restraint we have. It's a dangerous situation. So they didn't, they didn't understand that. So the law actually never was intended as a restraint. The law was intended to show man not just how bad he is, but how good he isn't. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, the law holds up to us God's standard of righteousness. And I don't know about you, but when I compare myself to God's standard of righteousness, I don't measure up. Maybe y'all do. Maybe I'm missing out. But I don't measure up when I hold myself up to God's standard of righteousness. So that's why imputed righteousness is very important, right? But, uh, and, and so it's for all to see. When we compare ourselves to his standard of righteousness, we don't measure up. I love this analogy because it perfectly explains what we're talking about. The law is like looking in a mirror. We can see our physical flaws when we look in the mirror. The same way as we can see our spiritual flaws when we look in the law. But the mirror has no power to change those flaws. Neither does the law have any power to change our spiritual flaws. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit. So, <laughs> here's the... Here's something, as a matter of fact, it makes us worse when we look at the law. And that's scriptural. That's scriptural. And I looked that up last night, Eddie. I didn't have that scripture last night. It's Romans 7 and 11. And it says this, it says, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, the commandments, the law, right? Deceived me and by it slew me. He failed because of the commandment. The commandment was holy, but he failed because of the commandment because he was trying to adhere to the commandment in his own strength and ability, his man's effort. So I have a little, I thought of some, uh, some kind of analogies here. Think about it and be honest with yourself. Just in your, in, your, in your person, if you're not being led by the Spirit right at the moment, and you see that sign that says wet paint, don't touch. Oh, I don't know about you, but part of me wants to touch that son of a gun, see if it's still wet, right? If they're telling me the truth or not. Or don't step on the grass. Well, maybe I don't want anybody looking. You know, I mean, don't step on the grass. Come on. Oh, y'all are too holy out there. Come on now, somebody be honest. Okay, all right, good. There, Noah's honest back there. Thank you, brother. So, uh, or, or listen, here's one, here's one. Don't enter without a mask. Oh, that's fresh on our mind, isn't it? Don't enter without a mask. Now, this is a test I did last night. It's kind of fun. I heard this years ago. I didn't really understand what he's talking about then. But as I was studying, I thought that fits right here. I steal all this stuff, you know. I don't, <laughs> so anyway, so here's what I'll have a little test for you. We're going to take the test right now. I want everybody right now, whatever you do, do not think about a, a pink elephant. Make yourself. Don't do it. Don't think about a pink elephant. Oh, come on now. I'm telling you. I know without asking, you're thinking about a pink elephant. You had a picture of one. I still do. I'm going to have to anoint myself with oil and get that picture out of my head. So, see, it's always been grace by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. The law was intended as a mirror. 
So before the cross, the before the cross, well, how was it always by grace through faith? Before the cross, the saints had faith in the promised seed, the coming Messiah. After the cross, modern day saints, we have or we're supposed to have faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the reality. Terry preached on it last week. He talked, he talked about the difference between the types, the shadows, and the reality. Why do we want the shadow when we have the reality? So that's why Paul said this. Think, think about the cross. Keep your eyes on the cross. He said, I have determined to know nothing. He said this to the uh, Corinthians. I have determined to know nothing among you, brothers, save Christ and him crucified. I know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. And he also told him this, he said, the preaching of the cross is to those who are perishing but foolishness. But to us who are saved, it is the very power of God. It's the dunamis, miraculous power of God. The miracle working power of God. The cross of Calvary, the power flows from the cross. Why is that? Because until the cross the Holy Spirit could not come in the heart and life of men and remain to lead and guide and empower when we yield to him. That's exactly why. It was all self-effort before the cross. Now God does it. Okay, so um, so it's my job to yield to him. Here we go back into what's my job and what's his job. It's my job to yield to him. That's not such an easy job always, is it? It's his job to change me as I yield to him. Uh oh, it's a blank page. I scared myself up. So Galatians 5, I'm going to start in verse 1. He said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We need to understand that the bondage that Paul is speaking of in this particular passage is the bondage to sin itself. Or, to, excuse me, the bondage to the law itself, the law of Moses. Not bondage to a particular sin that a person is enslaved to, but they are tied together. Why? Because until we are free from the bondage of law, we're still just looking in the mirror. If we're still in the law, we're still just looking in the mirror. There's no power in the mirror. And we're saying, I'm working on it. Oh, man, am I guilty of that? Well, I know it, brother, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You know, that's the problem. I'm the one working on it. I can't change it. I need to, I need to, to yield to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and start believing for it. Quit working on it and start believing for it. That's what I need. That's my part, is to yield and start believing for it. So the Greek scholar and commentarian, his name was, was, he's passed away, was Kenneth Wiest. And he says, uh, the Galatian Christians, instead of depending on the indwelling spirit to produce in their lives the beauty of the Lord Jesus, now we're depending upon self-effort, an attempt to obey the law of Moses. Accordingly, Paul's practical teaching emphasizes the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the Galatians were exhorted to put themselves again under his control. We need to be under his control. So God's part in that verse, Christ has made us free. It's a done deal. Our part in that, in that verse, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. 
I don't have to be the old man inside of me. Why? Why? Because I'm redeemed. I've been redeemed. It's all about him. It's all about him. We trust in him. We yield to him. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Hallelujah. Stand in the promises of God. Well, brother, it's not working for me. I got to do something. Yes, you do. You got to stand therefore. Quit getting in the way. Quit trying to do it in your own effort. Stand therefore on the promise. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. It may take a while. Ask Abraham. It might take a while. He says, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This is pretty interesting. Don't return to the law, is what he's telling them, depending on self-effort. And this is interesting. In Paul's day, the Jews talked about, they had a saying, and they were proud of it. They talked about taking the yoke of the law upon oneself. So maybe Paul was thinking about that when he wrote the passage. I don't know. So they thought of it as a good thing, though. They thought of it as a good thing. But Paul calls it a yoke of bondage, a yoke of slavery. Yoke of bondage, same thing. You're in slavery to that law. You're a slave to the law. But, but listen to this, and we do this sometimes. We have to be careful about this because they were depending on themselves to adhere to the law, which is impossible, by the way. But they liked it. They thought it was a good thing because they said, look what I'm doing. Look here. Now, I'm, I don't have it. I may not be getting victory, but God must be proud of me and all the effort I'm putting in here. He's got to be proud of me, doesn't he? You know what that is? That's pride of life. That's self-pride. That leads to what? Self-righteousness. It sounds good. It smells good. But it'll fall out to failure instead of victory. So maybe, here's another verse that maybe Paul was thinking about. Jesus talked about believers, for believers, taking his yoke upon, taking his yoke upon us. Depending on the ministry of the Holy Spirit to produce godliness in us. By the way, that is God's way. That's his way. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because we're dependent on him. Because we're yielding to him. He's doing the heavy lifting. That's the only way it'll work. It's too heavy for us to lift. I would a lot rather have the results that God can produce in my life than the results that Mitch can produce in my life. I tried it that way for years. I didn't produce any godliness and I was miserable not even knowing what I was trying to produce. Chasing every everything, trying to find fulfillment. But oh, we found fulfillment in Christ, didn't we? Oh, hallelujah. I'm so thankful I was saved. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful Jesus Christ came into my life. What a new life. What a new life it is. He says we're, 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 we're crucified. We're buried with Christ and we're raised up in the newness of life. Hallelujah. You should have seen my whole life. Oh, no, you shouldn't have seen my whole life. <laughs> Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, this is verse 2, we're going to get there. <laughs> Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, listen to this, Christ shall profit you nothing. The problem was that the Galatians were being crucified for spiritual purposes. There's not a thing wrong with being circumcised for health purposes like we do today, right? I mean, you're only eight days old. You really don't have any choice in the matter, usually. And uh, but uh, So there's nothing wrong. That's not what he's talking about. He's not interested in the outward. He's interested in the inward. And uh, so they were trying to go to outward uh, 
um, remedies or uh, solutions for an inward problem. So there's nothing wrong with being circumcised, but not to fulfill the law. And if we do place ourselves under the law, what Christ provided for us on the cross will profit us nothing, will not be available to us. We cannot mix grace and law. We must choose grace. He says in verse 3, For I testify again to every man who is circumcised, for spiritual reasons, I added that part, he is a debtor to do the whole law, which is impossible. Then, in verse 4, Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, in other words, seek to be justified by the law, it's impossible, you are fallen from grace. Boy, that's scary. So he, he keeps telling us that if we're, if we're seeking to do things with, uh, you know, under law, it doesn't matter if it's a law of Moses or a law that I make up for myself, well, God's going to really appreciate this, right? He's going to be really proud of me and blessing me because I'm doing this. That's law. We, so we're not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. Don't get me wrong. Okay, so Christ has become of no, and you are fallen from grace. Let me ask you something. This is a touchy subject, but... But as I was reading this, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share this. You are fallen from grace. So think about this. To fall from grace, you would first have to be in a position of grace. If you're going to fall from a position of grace, you first have to be in that position, right? It actually means to apostatize, which means to renounce a religious or political belief or principle. So listen, think about this. We're saved by grace through faith. And he's telling us we can fall from a position of grace. So I'll let you all decide what you think about once saved, always saved. I'm not going to say more about that. But we can't mix grace with law. We must choose. Verse 5. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So we do have to wait. You know, like I said, ask Abraham. When you see him, you can ask him. Do you have to wait? We know he did. So for the hope of righteousness by faith. Now that word hope. The way we use it, we say, well, I, I hope so, but I doubt it, you know. Well, that's not what it's talking about. In the Bible, that word means with great expectancy, by faith, not by self-effort. So we could say, for in Christ, oh, that's the next verse. So we could say that for we, through the Spirit, wait for the, that we're greatly expecting righteousness. We believe that by faith. For in uh, verse for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision or law of any kind. I already covered that. It has no spiritual bearing on anything. It's an outward work. Um, but here's the part I wanted to bring out in that verse. But faith, which works by love. This is what we're going to get to. I'll have more to say about that. So, and then he says in verse 7, You did run well, who did hinder you? Who did hinder you that should not obey the truth? So they were in a position of grace. People came in trying to pull them out of that position of grace and move them in a position of law, which doesn't work. I'm going to have to hurry. I'm going to have to cut some of this out. So this... Uh, um, and then he says, This persuasion comes not of him who calls you. Verse 8, Well, the Holy Spirit had called them to grace, but he had not called them back to law. Verse 9, this is important. Verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Or you could say, in this instance, a little corruption corrupts the whole lump. Paul is warning us that just a little false doctrine 
if embraced, because that is the text, that's what the text is about, is false doctrine. When he's talking about leaven. He said, just a little false doctrine, if it is embraced, will corrupt our whole belief system, and it will lead us off the narrow way. So verse 10, and he had confidence in us, in you through the Lord, that you will be none otherwise minded. In other words, he knew that uh, he had confidence that the Lord was not going to let them go down that path. But listen to this. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. He's talking about the Judaizers, the false teachers. They're the ones that were troubled them. He says he shall, uh, shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. So um, the false teachers will come under God's judgment. As a matter of fact, in the first chapter of this uh, uh, book of Galatians, He's addressing that same subject, and he says, let them be accursed, which speaks of eternal condemnation. So be careful what we share with people. We need to know what we're talking about before we talk. We need to know because there is going to be judgment for false teachers. So, uh, and I, brethren, uh, verse 11, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer, suffer persecution? Then as the offense of the cross ceased, he keeps leading us back to the cross. All throughout scripture, he leads us to the cross. I read this out of a Jimmy Swagger commentary, and it says, the cross offends the world and most of the church. Why? Because we want to, right? So if the preacher ceases to preach the cross as the only way to salvation and victory, then opposition and persecution will cease. But listen, but so will salvation. This is serious business. This is very serious business with eternal consequences. Verse 12, I would they were cut off, uh, which trouble you. He just wants them to leave them alone so that they won't be led down the wrong path. Verse 13 is very important. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Here we go again, Brother Eddie. We have been called into liberty only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Here we go. But by love serve one another. We are called to liberty from the law and to live a holy life. God's standard of righteousness has not changed. It never will. We're called to live a holy life. We're free to live a holy life. We're, we're free from the law and we're free to live a holy life before the Lord. He, he made it possible for us. Because we're cut off from the, because we're dead to the sin nature. That's why. So now we can, it is, we are able to, it is possible to live upright before the Lord. And all we have to do to, to maintain that is keep our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Um, so Paul is very concerned how we use our liberty from the law. That we use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh, an occasion to sin. Okay? Now, here's what I want to bring out. It's only by love, he's talking about agape love, that we can serve one another. Uh, and we'll come back to that in just a minute. Verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He keeps coming back to love. It's interesting that throughout the whole book, this whole epistle, whole letter, that Paul argued against law, and then at the very end, he seems to argue and defend. He's 
He's, he was in defense of grace, and now he comes back to law and speaks favorably of it. But here's the reason. When Christians serve each other through love, the law is fulfilled. Paul is saying that it's, we're, we're freed from the law of Moses, and we enter to, into the law of love. Law is the most powerful motivator that, and sustainer there is in existence, love. Think about it. God so loved the world, that's what motivated him to send his only begotten son to die on the cross of Calvary for us. Love. Love is a most powerful uh, motivator. And it, it, it's powerful and it's, it'll cause you to... So anyway, verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. So this is what happens under law. Because what? Because love is absent. There's no love in law. You're just following these rules. Oh, I hate you, man, but I got to. I, got to. I, I hate having to do this, but I better. I don't want to go to hell. Well, I got news for you. That's not going to keep you out of hell following the law. <laughs> so it's, a, it's deception of the enemy is what it is. Uh, so that's what happens if we're under law. And it can also happen, by the way, among unyielded Christians. We need to yield to the Holy Spirit. We've all seen that. We've all seen that. So I want to talk just a minute about agape love, and I'm going to wrap up. Uh, by the way, true faith is expressed in love, in agape love. Agape love is, um, is, isn't just human love. It's divine love. I did a lot of research on this, so I wrote some things down. It is a love that is produced in the heart of a believer whose heart is yielded to the Holy Spirit. If we love God as we should, we will love other believers also. That was one man's statement. I thought that was pretty powerful. Where love is the motive for service, laws, rules, and regulations are not needed. Think about it. If we lived in a society where everyone was a yielded believer, we wouldn't need the police, would we? We would not need them. I'm, I look forward to that day. Someday that day's coming. Sometimes when I'm having a really bad day, I, I do... The Bible says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Do you ever think about that day that's coming? That day we know for certain is coming where the lion lays down with the lamb and the children will, let, will play on the hole of the asp. That's a snake. I don't necessarily want to do that, but I mean, you know, maybe I will then. I don't know. But uh, that's, that's how, because there won't be any sin. There will not be any sin in that day. But, so I look forward to that. You know, it helps us today when we know what we have coming in the future. You know, we wouldn't, when we were kids, we wouldn't have taken that long trek with our parents across the country. Uh, we'd say about every 10 miles, are we there yet? Are we about there? We're just about to get there, right? But it, we stayed in that car. Why? Because we knew we were going to see our cousins when we got there, right? We know what's ahead of us. Jesus endured the cross for the hope, for the joy that was set before him. If we can get a hold of that, we can live our lives a lot better if we keep our eyes on what we have to come. I'm looking forward to that. But until that come, day comes, we definitely need to phone the police. There's no doubt about that. Amen. So, agape love isn't just human sentiment and emotions. It causes us to esteem others higher than ourselves. That's important. To put the needs and wants of others above ourselves. When, when a person yields to the Holy Spirit and allows agape love to rule, that person is dead to self. Not selfish, but selfless. And think about this. When self dies, 
sin dies. Why is that? Because sin grows from selfishness. Watch it. Sin grows out of selfishness. And so when we can give, do away with selfishness, excuse me, when we allow the Holy Spirit to do away with selfishness in our heart, sin will start to vanish. Someone rightly said, when Christ died for us, he delivered us from sin and from self. May, may should have said that in reverse. I don't know. So I found an illustration, and then I'll be through. I'll shut up. I'll tell some of you probably. I didn't. We forgot to tell you to bring your lunch, I bet. Was that in the email? <laughs> Nobody said bring your lunch. <laughs> anyway, I found an illustration that I think perfectly depicts the transition from the law to grace. If you'll listen to this very closely, I think it will really, I think it will really help. I'll tell you what, this won't take very long. Maybe uh, Dan and company, maybe y'all can come up and get ready. Brother Dan, if y'all want to come back up, I'm going to be through here in just a minute. So, listen to this story. It perfectly depicts what we're talking about, moving from law to grace. There was a man, and he had a business. He had a job opening. To avoid misunderstandings, they had to first agree on certain rules and regulations. So the employer agrees to pay a certain amount per week to provide sick pay, right? Vacation time, lunch breaks, coffee breaks, etc. The employer, let's call her the servant, it was a young lady, the servant agreed to work 40 hours a week to uh, be to work on time to produce a certain amount of work, etc. They sit down. They type up the agreement with the understanding that failure to abide to the agreement, to the rules, would lead to either some somebody getting, you know, the servant getting fired, the servant going on strike, or, you know, maybe a lawsuit or whatever. We don't know, but it was if they broke the agreement, something was fixing to happen. So they have both agreed to work within the laws of the written contract, and they signed the contract. And then you know what happened? They fell in love. And finally, they got married. She's no longer a servant. We're the bride of Christ. She is no longer a servant, no longer under rules, regulations, and laws. She's not handed an employee's manual to tell her what's expected as a wife. She's free to do as she pleases. She could just say, well, I'm going to do what I want to now, but because of the love that motivated her, she has for her husband, the love she has for her husband, she chooses to spend all of her time pleasing her husband. But not because of demands made on her. She's just, now did she just say, now I can do as I please? No. Uh -uh. I can live any way I want to? No, she didn't. She's under a new and more powerful law, the law of love. That's what we're under, the law of love. And she does even more for her husband than before. She doesn't say I don't have to follow those ten commandments now. She does that plus some. But it's not because she's ordered to. Because there's a set of rules and regulations. She's scared not to. It's out of love for him. And that's the way we should live our lives. See where, where love reigns. No laws are needed. No laws are needed. And that is the story. Of the New Testament believer. That's yielded to the Holy Spirit. Go ahead, Doug.
No, sit tight. We, 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 sit tight. So, uh, Father, we just thank you for the honor just to come in here and worship. Lord, it is amazing grace. When we look at what's happened in our lives, Lord, when we look at where we were, it's nothing but amazing grace. Hallelujah. If anybody here, I, I look around, I don't know anybody here that would not know that, but if anybody would need to rededicate or something, or if you need special prayer, John and Amber will meet you up the front, pray for you. Um, if anybody on the live stream, you know this live stream, give Jonathan a hand clap, by the way. Thank you, brother. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. We appreciate it. Talk about a servant. He's serving the Lord up there. He's taking the knowledge that he has in serving the Lord. We appreciate that. We sure do. And so, if anybody on this live stream, this has changed the, the, the whole uh, ministry here because there may be somebody come across this thing, shoot, I don't know, six months from now, two years from now, I don't know, and they don't know the Lord. And so if you're out there and you know that, we as a, as a congregation want to lead you. The Bible says in uh, Romans 3 and 23, it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all in the same boat. We're born into sin. And Romans 6 and 23 says the wages of that sin is death, which speaks of eternal separation from God, which is not a good place to be. You may be out there experiencing that right now, and you're saying, what's going wrong wrong in my life? Why is everything so rough? There's nothing good in my life. You may be saying that right now. And... But the, the, the rest of Romans 6 and 23, it says, The wages of sin are death. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life. And that's what we've been talking about today. Entering into eternal life. And if you'd like to enter in, it's just the first step. It's not the end. But it's a glorious journey. I can tell you that much for sure. And so if you want to enter into that new life, it's simple. Romans 10 tells us if we believe in our heart, and confess with our mouth it says that that we first come as a sinner and we and we believe that Jesus is our Savior and we need a Savior and that we believe that he died on the cross for our sins and that on the third day that God raised him up that that we can that we can come to the Lord and it says if we believe that in our heart we believe unto righteousness and if we confess with our mouth we confess unto salvation and that's what we're talking about. That's a first step, salvation. Stepping in. That Jesus Christ died for your sins so you might be redeemed back to a relationship with Almighty God. Not just Mighty God, Almighty God. And so if anybody out there wants to do that, if the brothers and sisters have just helped me, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And all you have to do is say these words. The words won't save you. But if you mean them in your heart, that will save you. God wants your heart. So just say, Father in heaven, help me. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come admitting I'm a sinner and knowing that I need a Savior and that I can't save myself. And I believe that Jesus Christ is that Savior and that He died on the cross of Calvary to pay for my sins personally 
And I ask you, Father, to forgive me of the way that I've lived and the things that I've done. And I ask that Jesus Christ, through the person of the Holy Spirit, would come into my heart and life and lead me and guide me and teach me how to live for Him. In Jesus' name. And if you said that, the Bible says that you are saved, you are washed, you are cleansed, you've been made white as snow. Though my sins may be as scarlet, I'm made white as snow. What can make me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so if you did that, if you said that prayer and you believed it in your heart, you've entered in. It's a new life is coming. And go tell somebody. That won't keep you, make you any more saved, but it will strengthen your walk with the Lord. So if anybody needs, uh, we're going to play that one more time. Dan, let's do Amazing Grace one more time. And if anybody needs special prayer or needs to uh, uh, recommit or anything, come to the altar. John and Amber will pray for you. Praise the Lord.
go in the peace of the Lord. Have a great week. Go find somebody you can serve. In Jesus' name.